You are listening to the Today I Found Out podcast, where each weekday we provide an interesting story that is going to feed your brain. You can read more great articles like this by going to todayifoundout.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 332 of the Daily Knowledge Podcast from todayifoundout.com. In the episode today, you're going to learn, first of all, about genes, where they come from, and why they're so popular. Then we're going to have a word from one of our fantastic sponsors, Harry's The Shaving Company, and then there's going to be a bonus Y article, and that one's about why men's bikes have a horizontal crossbar and women's don't. So let's just get right on with the show. Jeans are easily one of the most ubiquitous pieces of clothing on earth, with millions of pairs being made, sold, and wrapped around the backsides of star-conscious individuals every single day. But why are jeans so popular, and for what purpose were they first made? Before we answer that, it's important for us to first define exactly what we mean when we say jeans, because the word has changed in context over the last few hundred years. As detailed by the fashion encyclopedia, the term jeans has existed since the 1600s, where it was used as a catch-all term to describe the rough clothing worn by working men. Since the fabric used to make these clothes often came from the Genoa region in Italy, it was commonly referred to as jean. Weavers from the Nimes area of France tried to replicate this fabric, and it eventually became known as denim, a bastardization of the words denimes from Nimes. So what makes modern jeans so different from the work trousers found on the legs of a 16th century worker? Well, the key difference is how modern jeans are held together. Rivets. If you are currently wearing a pair of jeans, which is statistically quite likely, you may notice that they are held together at key points with small rivets. These rivets are a relatively new addition to jeans, and they're the reason for the garment's legendary longevity. Contrary to what you might have thought, unlike the stitch pattern often found on the rear pockets, the rivets aren't just for show. They're strategically placed at the locations the garments suffer the most strain, like the pockets and the zipper. The idea to use metal rivets to reinforce the stitching of work trousers is the brainchild of one Jacob Davis, a native Latvian who lived in Nevada as a salesman during the 19th century. Davis earned his keep by selling clothing and general supplies to the many miners and workers who called the area their home. The legend goes that the wife of a miner, some sources say a woodsman, came to Davis lamenting the fact that he often tore the pockets off his work trousers and implored him to find a way to strengthen them. The legend continues that Davis drew inspiration from a horse's saddle in his shop and hatched the ingenious idea to reinforce the pockets and other areas with metal rivets. Annoyingly, the exact details surrounding the invention of the first pair of jeans, as we'd understand them today, will likely never be known. So we're just left with the aforementioned legend. But it, at the least, seems plausible enough that Davis probably got the idea from a customer or customers who were having problems with torn pants, so he came up with a solution. What we do know for sure is that Davis's riveted work pants were a huge hit with locals, and that it only took a short while for demand to greatly outstrip the already meager supply. Realizing that it stumbled upon a gold mine more lucrative than the actual gold mines his customers were working in, Davis understandably became very paranoid about someone stealing his idea, and he sought to patent it. However, despite his short-term success, he simply didn't have the scratch to do it himself, a whole $68, which is about $1,300 today. So he reached out to a man whose name would eventually become synonymous with the product, Levi Strauss. 
Strauss, similar to Davis, was a native European, originally hailing from Bavaria, who traveled to the States to try and make his fortune. The pair became acquaintances through Strauss's dry goods store, which supplied Davis with the material he needed to make his riveted pants, among other products. After a brief and poorly spelled letter exchange, the secret of them pence is the rivets that I put in those pockets. I cannot make them up fast enough. My neighbors, N-A-B-O-R-S, are getting yowless of their success, and I'm assuming that's supposed to be jealous. It's spelled really bizarrely. The two men then met, and with Strauss's money, they were able to successfully apply for a patent on their riveted pants in 1873. That same year, the pair began producing the pants on a mass scale. Curiously, when the pair first began producing jeans, they sold two varieties, the blue denim kind you could find on the shelf of any clothing store today, and a pair made from fabric not dissimilar from canvas, known as duck cotton, often also used by Davis for making tents and wagon covers. The former proved to be wildly more popular than the latter, and soon became the only kind the company sold. The reason denim proved to be so much more popular than duck cotton is twofold. Firstly, denim becomes softer as it ages, unlike duck cotton, which will pretty much always feel like you're wearing a wagon cover. And secondly, because it looks better. Denim jeans were originally dyed blue, partially because indigo dye was cheap and readily available in large quantities in America, but also because the dye was dark enough to easily hide stains. Further, the dye and the small quantity needed per jean, combined with the weave of the denim, wouldn't seep through the denim to the other side. This meant that the risk of the dye staining your legs is effectively nil, which is, again, a desirable quality in a piece of clothing you're going to be sweaty in on a daily basis. The fact that the dye only stains the outside of denim jeans also means that, as they age, they gradually fade as the dye is inevitably worn away. This proved to be another highly desirable quality of the garments that's still popular today, and with many even preferring to buy pre-faded versions. So, how did the world of riveted pants go from being the exclusive domain of the cowboy to the go-to fashion for everyone from sweaty hipsters to cool grandparents? Well, that's down to a multitude of factors. The first and probably biggest thing to happen to the world of riveted pants was the expiration of Levi's patent in 1908, which gave dozens of imitators a chance to flood the market with knockoffs. The second thing was likely the romanticization of the cowboy lifestyle. While the deeply entrenched association with manual laborers and rural people initially turned more affluent people off the idea of wearing denim jeans, as time passed, the allure of wearing something so quintessentially American began to take hold, culminating in the dude ranch craze of the 1930s, with people paying money to experience the traditional cowboy lifestyle, jeans and all. A third thing that helped denim jeans become so popular, particularly overseas, was their popularity with servicemen in the 1940s and 1950s, who often liked to wear them when they were off duty. The fourth thing that made the garment popular with the younger generation was the release of films like Rebel Without a Cause and The Wild One, in which the protagonists wore jeans as a way of rebelling against societal expectations. After the release of these films in the 1950s, demand for jeans exploded amongst like-minded youths. The demands continued through the 1960s and 1970s, where jeans were picked up by almost every youth counterculture movement that sprung up. In the 1980s, interest in jeans went nuclear, with the release of a series of sexually charged, strong-armed ads like the infamous Brooke Shields Calvin Klein ads, or the decidedly more tame Laundrette ad, which saw sales of Levi's increase by about 800% in the UK. Bonus Fact the stitch pattern on the back of Levi's jeans is trademarked by the company and was introduced as a way to distinguish their jeans from competitors that popped up. 
If other companies try to put anything remotely similar to Levi's pattern on jean pockets to protect their trademark, Levi's happily sues them. In fact, Levi Strauss is the number one filer of trademark infringement cases in the apparel industry, averaging about eight such lawsuits per year since 2001. Alright, so this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Harry's. Harry's, I love Harry's. They've been sending me razors for months now. They completely transformed my shaving experience. You know those plastic, crappy razors that you would buy from the store for way too much money? Harry's did away with those entirely. They send you this beautiful box in it. There's this weighty razor. It's got like a metal handle. They send you this cream. They send you spare blades. It's just... It, compared to those plastic blades, it is just the best high-quality shaving experience you could hope for. It's incredibly affordable. I mean, just the price of those things in the store, you could just get onto Harry's, get them to sort you out, and you will spend less. I promise you. It's it's just an absolutely great deal. Valentine's Day is coming up. I know what I would like for Valentine's Day. If I wasn't already kitted out with all of Harry's gear... All you need to do is just go to harrys.com and you're going to get a free $15 engraving on the beautiful Chrome Winston set, which is the one I actually have. All you need to do is enter the promo code DAILYVALENTINE and it's got to be your first purchase. Save $15 today. Just go to harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, enter the promo code DAILYVALENTINE, all one word. So I would recommend you go do that. It's a great company, great razors, and perfect Valentine's Day gift. All right, so let's get right back to the show. Why men's bikes have a horizontal crossbar and women's bikes typically don't. It would seem that having a slanted crossbar, like on women's bikes, would make much more sense for men's bikes, decreasing the chance of racking the guy if he does something like slip off the pedals. However, there is actually a really good reason to have a horizontal crossbar on a bike. Namely, the horizontal crossbar ends up adding quite a bit of strength to the frame of the bike. This was particularly important in some of the early bikes, which were often made of significantly weaker materials than modern-day frames, occasionally even being made out of wood. The problem with this horizontal crossbar was that women all used to wear dresses. So when a woman wanted to get on a bike, she'd have to lift her leg over the frame's crossbar, which was quite scandalous for the time, as it often exposed quite a bit of leg and possibly some underwear under her dress. Thus, bike makers began making bike models for just women that slanted the top crossbar down so that women could mount and dismount the bikes without lifting their legs very high. Modifying the crossbar like that significantly weakened the frames of the bicycles, but this was considered acceptable as it wasn't very ladylike for women to ride their bikes as roughly as some men anyways. This tradition has continued to this day, even though most women don't go around riding bikes in dresses or skirts anymore. For the most part, on modern bikes, this weakening of the frame by slanting the crossbar isn't significant enough to cause any concern for bikes, even on rough terrain, given the modern materials that the frames are made of. Indeed, many BMX bikes for men are now designed with the slanted crossbar to reduce the chance of injury while doing tricks. However, among higher-end bikes made for women, this tradition of not having a horizontal crossbar is starting to go away, even though the added strength from a horizontal crossbar isn't typically necessary anymore, particularly with carbon fiber frames. On these high-end bikes, the differences between the men's and the women's bikes now tends to be reflected in the design by accounting for shorter torsos and arms on most women, modified hip placement, modified seat design, and things of this nature. 
You just listened to an episode of the Today I Found Out Daily podcast. Tune in every weekday for another great episode, or find more articles at todayifoundout.com.